You are now watching the throne. Don't let me get in my zone. Don't let me get in my zone. Don't let me get in my zone. These other niggas is lying. Acting like the summer ain't mine. I got that hot bitch in my home. Don't let me get in my zone. 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 The stars is in the building. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's another edition of the Fan and the Van Podcast Time. Ooh, what a start to the ALDS series. What a start to Rangers hockey. Oh, my God. Um, Did you really think as a Yankee fan, Garrett Cole wasn't going to give up at least one home run in this playoff game so far? Did you? Did you really think that wasn't going to happen? I mean, it did, but then Garrett Cole settled down, and Garrett Cole did what he had to do. You know, and then the bullpen did what they had to do. And a lot of people are saying that Judge looks a little out of whack at the plate. And listen, you know, a couple of days off might have done, might have done it to him. You know, but hey, the guy needed to rest. Um, you know, Rizzo came through with, for us, obviously. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, you could pretty much play that kid anywhere in the fucking field. You have a friggin' Spanish DJ LeMay who's actually... Healthy, unlike DJ LeMay, who tried to talk his way onto the ALDS roster. And Boone said, nope, you're not healthy. You're not playing this round. And Boone had some tough decisions to make as far as who was making the roster, who wasn't. And none tougher, honestly, than Araldis Chapman. Now, I didn't get into it in the last episode, but I'll get into it now. Bottom line is, you know, Chapman said, I'll show up for the team workout if I'm guaranteed a spot on the roster for the playoffs, and Aaron Boone couldn't, you know, guarantee that. So, Araldis Chapman took his ball and he went home. Well, I should say he stayed there. Um, Boone, did they, whatever excuse he gave, Boone told him, yep, that's not good enough. Now you're not on the roster. And as far as I'm concerned, this is the end of Chapman in New York. And Chapman is definitely the definition of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Has Chapman been good for us? Yes. Has he been bad for us? Yes. Has he been ugly for us? Absolutely, he has. And he hasn't been that great, let's be honest, over the past year or so. Um, you know, you put him out there and you got to worry about whether he's going to be able to close it out or not. You know, you put him out there in a no-save no situation, he gets rocked. You put him in a save situation, he blows it. And, you know, for us fans that got to watch the Yankees in the 90s and the early 2000s, we got spoiled by having the great Mariano Rivera. Because Mariano Rivera would come out and it's like, all right, nine times out of ten, we ain't got to worry. Turn the fucking game off. This is done. I could wake up in the morning, put on ESPN, Yankees won, whatever, say five to two, Mariano with the save, and that was it. See you, good night. See you in the morning. Not with Chapman. It's like you have to sit there and you go through 30 different emotions in like 20 seconds. And it, it's, it's disgusting, and I don't blame Boone for leaving him off the, off the roster, but now, you know, you have all these other guys that are on, in the bullpen that are hurt that you're not going to have at all. You know, you're not going to have Chad Green. He had Tommy John surgery at the beginning of the year. You know, you're not going to have Luis Gill. He was, he's been out all year. You know, you're not going to have, you know, a bunch of guys, but they got guys to get it done. You know, you got Johnny Loisica. You you got Clay Holmes. You you got you got key guys to, to get you through. As long as in these games, as long as Cole gave you what he could give you. Okay. You know, ninety seven pitches, we know he was coming back out. G- 
gives up the first hit. All of a sudden, Loisic is up in the bullpen. Nestor Cortez has got to give you six, seven innings in game two. Severino's got to give you six, seven innings in game three. Okay? And you don't want this going five. You know, you want to you want to keep this where, you know, we win game one, win game two, go to Cleveland, win game three, go on to whether it's going to be. Now, this is where Seattle gave Houston everything it could give them yesterday. And then there was a walk-off by that douchebag, your Danny Alvarez. Okay. Seattle's going to give Houston fits. And if I'm the Yankees, you need to watch that series on your days off. Okay. The days you're not playing, after you have your little workout or whatever it is, you need to go and watch Seattle-Houston and see how Seattle's pitching to Houston, how Seattle's playing Houston. And that'll give you the blueprint for if Seattle can't advance and Houston does. That'll give you the blueprint to how to attack them like you haven't been able to in years past. It's as simple as that. And what would the landscape of the playoffs be if Seattle could do the unthinkable? If Seattle could do the unthinkable, then the Yankees get home field advantage in the ALCS, which is kind of something you want. So if you're a Yankee fan, you're kind of sitting there rooting for Seattle. And people can say, well, of course you're saying that because they're the less inferior team. I wouldn't say all that. Because Seattle has given the Yankees fits in, in the regular season, especially after they got Luis Castillo. You know, they, they couldn't even hit the kid. Okay? And we all remember Luis Castillo was the pitcher from Cincinnati that the Yankees were afraid to pull the trigger on, and instead we got damaged goods Frankie Montas. Okay? And yes, I know you're going to say, Jim, we've heard you clamoring for Montas. Clamoring. Yeah, but I didn't know that he was going to be this fucking piece of shit. Let's call it what it is. I get he's a human being, but he's damaged shit. I, I didn't realize the guy was hurt when we traded for him. If I had known that, I would have said, I'd just pass on it. Keep Montgomery. Which, whatever. But if the Yankees want to advance to the World Series, obviously once we get past Cleveland, and if Houston advances, you have to see how Seattle pitched them and how they fielded against them Amongst other things. So if I'm Boone and I'm Judge and I'm Rizzo, after a workout, I'm sitting there. If I'm Aaron Boone, all right, guys, you know what? We're going to come back here at, say, 4 o'clock the game starts. Central time, whatever it is. So that would probably be 6 o'clock our time. All right? Right? Okay. So... I would sit there and be like, we're going to watch this game. We're going to see how Seattle attacks Houston. And then we're, going to in, then we're going to implement our game plan with how they do things. All right? And then that's how you got to go about it. That's what Aaron Boone's going to have to do. Aaron Boone's going to have to become a general and take these troops. And he's going to have to decimate everything in front of him to get to what they want. And that's a World Series. If Aaron Boone wants to, wants to prove... The naysayers wrong that he's the guy to get this team not only to the World Series, but to win it and not just almost get there. Because now, if you get to Houston and you lose, all right, let's just say Houston advances and you lose, for every Met Yankee fan 
that bashed the Mets season, it's going to be 10 times worse for the Yankee fan having to hear it. Now, granted, you can turn around and say, at least we almost got there. But almost don't win you shit in Major League Baseball. Okay? Almost don't get you anything. Okay? Like, if Aaron Judge didn't break the record, but he was almost there, did he break the record? No. So almost don't win you shit. Almost gets you nowhere. All right? So that's that. That's that, you know. And, you know, on the Mets side of it, you know, they're going to entrust this GM, Billy Epler, to, you know, right the wrongs of this season. Now, I don't know how you go and do that. I mean, the Mets do have a pretty decent team. I'm not going to lie. You know, they got a decent pitching staff, but you got to wonder, is DeGrom going to opt out? You know, everything points to yes, but you have to be careful again. If you're going to go after DeGrom, and yes, this includes the Yankee fan base, look at how many times he's been hurt. Granted, his out of five to six starts that he's had over the past, say, two, three months, other than one, he's been pretty dominant. And that's when he got shelled in Oakland. But his injury... His injury issues are something that you have to take into accountability when you're going after Jacob DeGrom. Let's just be real about it. Let's be honest. That's just what that's just what it is. You have to, you have to be cautious of that. Like, okay, I'm about to give this guy $50 million a year. Is he really worth the is the risk reward really worth it? And I'll be honest with you, as a Yankee fan, yeah, it is. It is. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. it is because I'm fine with one bad outing here or there as long as you're dominant the rest of the time. So it's worth it. But you also have to realize this. You also got to pay Aaron Judge. You know, and the Yankees in the offseason, Cashman's got a lot to answer to as well. You know, whether this comes with a World Series or not is what are you going to offer Aaron Judge? What is Aaron Judge looking for? Because Brian Cashman's come out and he said, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for Aaron Judge. So what Cashman's saying is, pretty much, Aaron Judge is going to ask for the world. And if I'm Aaron Judge, why the fuck wouldn't I? Because if you're Aaron Judge, you have to sit there and say, you know, I don't think Aaron Judge ever expected himself to, to break Roger Maris's record. Okay, but he's sitting there, he goes, you know, he goes, he's probably sitting there in his lavish New York City apartment going, you know, I broke Maris's record. I was close to the triple crown. If, if I didn't take that rest day, you know, I probably would have won the triple crown. You know, I'll be the AL MVP. And this is what's annoying, how everybody's saying it should be Shoatani as the MVP. Shoatani's batting average isn't near Aaron Judge's. You, you, you guys want to give, uh, give Otani the MVP because he also pitches. I understand that. And, he, and don't get me wrong. He did certain things this year as a pitcher that other pitchers in the league haven't done. I'll give you that. But when you look at everything else, where's Otani ranked to Aaron Judge? And it's behind Aaron Judge, so I'm sorry. 
Aaron Judge is the AL MVP the way he should have won it over Altuve, you know, four or five fucking years ago. So I'm sorry, but the AL MVP is Aaron Judge. You can like it, you can love it, you can hate it, you can disrespect it, you can respect it. I don't give a flying fuck. The facts are what the facts are. Aaron Judge is ranked number one in everything. So guess what? Aaron Judge is the AL MVP and the fucking story. Now, I was going to do the week five recap of the NFL. And I decided, better yet, to discuss something else within the NFL. Roughing the passer. Has got to be. I understand, again, you got to protect the quarterback. But this penalty is such a fucking issue now because you see all right so we we know why this is stemming brady got tackled and jerome booger says well he he threw him unnecessarily let's go to monday night okay before we go back to the pittsburgh buffalo game let's go to monday night i forget who it was fucking launches patrick mahomes doesn't get called no roughing the passer, right? Now, at this point, I'm only watching the highlights because I wound up falling asleep during the game because I was shot to shit. Then there was one, I forget, I think it was called on somebody, Chris Jones maybe on Kansas City, and that one was a bullshit one too. Now, and I think apparently they wanted to throw Jones out of the game. The NFL league office said no, or they wanted to suspend him, whatever it is. So one of the NFL shows on, NFL, on the NFL Network how do you properly sack a quarterback? And they fucking pick up Kevin Hart and they lay two pillows down and carefully drop them down. So if you're Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, if you get a regular sack, it's roughing the passer. But Kenny Pickett almost gets his head taken off. And then on another one, almost gets his ankle snapped. And nothing. Nothing. So what you're saying is those hits are clean. The ones I just described. And Brady's was dirty. I can understand if you pick the guy up and drive him into the fucking ground. You know, like, you you know, almost like as if you're Goldberg spearing somebody into a fucking table and you go in full force. Okay, I understand that aspect. I understand that for being rough in the past. I understand if you fucking go straight for the head, helmet to helmet. I understand that. I understand if you fucking run past him and you wrap your fucking left arm around his throat. And then grab him and sack him down that way. I could get all that. But if you look at the Brady one, he took him down with him. He didn't launch him. He fucking throw him 20, 30 fucking feet down the field. So what's the NFL going to do to fix this? They're not going to take the penalty away. So let's just forget about that because people are going to sit there and listen and go, well, what if they just take the penalty away? You know they're not going to do that because the league apparently is all about player safety, but not so, not necessarily so. They're more worried about, you know, jersey infractions and, and uniform infractions and all that instead of player safety. Because if they gave a fuck about player safety, there would have been a personal flag. There would have been a personal foul called on the, the guy from Buffalo with the fucking hit to Kenny Pickett. And the, actually, no, it was the league office who got involved. With the James Daniels thing when he went after the guy who fucking hit friggin' uh, Kenny Pickett. That's what it was. And, you know, 
This is where the Steeler fan base kind of actually agreed with this one, where everybody says, that's what you do, you protect your quarterback, you take that penalty 10 out of 10 times. And you fucking absolutely do. Now, people don't understand the younger generation will sit there and go, they'll look at that Brady sack and go, that's a dirty hit. (laughs) Listen here. Listen here to the young people who barely have hair on their balls. Okay? And barely have peach fuzz on your chins. Ready? Go watch Steelers Raiders football in the 70s. Okay? Go watch that. Because if they played like that in today's game, both teams would fucking be would be ejected from the game and it would end in a forfeit. Or in a draw. Or whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Okay, but the NFL does have a problem on its hands. The NFL also has another problem on its hands. Devontae Adams. Shoving the camera guy. I don't know if he's from ESPN or just a guy taking photos. But at the end of the Chief Raider game, you know, Devontae Adams is frustrated. You know, rightfully so. You know, you, you bust your ass. You lose a close one. I understand that. Okay? But you don't need to shove... People that aren't, that are just sitting there to take pictures. Granted, yeah, the guy's right in his face. But you could have easily walked away. You know, and everybody likes to fuck up and then take to Twitter. Like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I hope you see this. You know, that's not me. Well, guess what? That may not be you. But guess what? Now you got a police report filed on you. Now you might be suspended for the rest of the year. All for what? Because you were, I understand heated a moment. You're not thinking. I understand it. We're all human. But at the end of the day, Devontae, come on, bro. You gotta, you, you, you gotta think. You know, you're a high-priced athlete. And you gotta act with a higher decorum than the regular 9-to-5 guy. And that's across the whole league. That's not only in football. That's in every sport. Doesn't matter what it is. Does not matter what it is. You have to act with some sort of decorum. And I love the fact that Devontae Adams also took Derek Carr's 200th career touchdown pass and launched it into the stands. I fucking love that one. Oh, God, did I fucking love it. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. It reminded me when Mike Evans took one of, took, um, it might have been either his record-breaking, whatever it was, or Brady's, one of the two, and he launched it, he, like he gave it to a fan, and then he went back, and he had to go get it. That, that That's, you know, I, I found that one comical, but the NFL has an issue when it comes to officiating. They have an issue when it comes to, to player actions. They have a lot of things that they need to look at, and Goodell needs to look at it and go, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix all this? Well, it's simple, Goodell. You make people accountable when it, when it comes to stuff that, like, Devontae Adams did. You know, when it comes to roughing the passer penalties, these officials need to be, they need to be, you know, they can't be biased. You know, I get everybody in the NFL loves Tom Brady. For the life of me, I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, we've seen his antics on the sidelines, breaking Microsoft tablets, throwing fits, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, we've seen all that. What makes the guy so lovable? I mean, he's apparently not that lovable if his wife wants to leave him. And what's funny is, is that Giselle 
Nick Foles and Eli Manning all have something in common. And you want to know what that is? And this will be a good laugh for everybody, I'm sure. And if not, then you have no sense of humor. All three of them have managed to take a ring away from Tom Brady. (laughs) You know, it is what it is. But I just think, and I've been saying it for years, and a lot of people have agreed that the NFL gives Tom Brady favorable treatment. You know, it's like he's the poster boy for the NFL, and we have to protect him. And Aaron Rodgers gets the same thing. You know, and I understand, you know, people like, well, you know, you can't complain that they didn't throw a flag, you know, in the, in the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game. You know, Kenny Pickett's a rookie. Okay, Kenny Pickett's a rookie. And I understand he wasn't hitting the head and it wound up being a shoulder to the back. But let me ask you something. What if that shoulder hits somewhere in Kenny Pickett's spine, snaps something that can't be reversed or fixed, and Kenny Pickett became paralyzed? What would happen then? What would your explanation be then? Well, he's a rookie. He deserves to be paralyzed. You can sit here and say, you're only saying this because you're a Steeler fan and and you defend the Steelers to the end. If you think that, you obviously haven't listened to any other episodes, probably other than this one, because everybody who listens, and I know Brent and Dave at 1420 Sports will agree, and so will Average Joe Sports Podcast, David Level, the Playing Field Sports Podcast, will probably agree. And countless others that listen will agree. I have and will bash my teams when they need to be bashed. You cannot sit here, and everybody that does a sports podcast will agree. Doesn't matter which one you are. You can be Sports Bliss with Rob and Chris. Okay? Probably will agree with, with this, as well as the other ones I just mentioned. You have to be honest with even your own team's assessments. You know, I think of a Broncos situation with Russell Wilson. And I think of Dave at 1420 Sports. And I can only imagine like if, like, like if he did a show without Brent one day and it was based on the Broncos, I can only imagine how much of a bash, as much as he loves the Broncos, I can only imagine how much bashing he would do. You know, you, you have to be unbiased even when it's your own team. You just have to be. You know, I've been accused of being what they call a homer because, you know, I'll defend my teams. Yeah, I'll defend them when they need to be defended, but I will, I will call them out on their bullshit when I need to call them out on their bullshit, just like anything else in the real world. Okay? That, that's, just, that's just how it goes. You know... You know, it's funny because, you know, people sit there and, and, and this goes back to a past episode. And, and these are the people that are the know-nothing fans that are only there when the team's winning. But when the team's losing, you hear nothing from them. They don't exist. They're like, oh, oh, oh uh, yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah, I don't root for them. You know, those are the ones that attack people that do this that, that, that do a sports podcast and and it's unfortunate because I guess that they're upset with something in their you know you know in their own life that they have to fucking come and pillage on those that are actually happy and like doing what they do and you know 
To those to, to the know nothing fans that want to sit there and do that, you're not rattling anybody's cages, especially mine, because I have no issue with going back and forth with you till I'm blue in the face. Because every stupid thing you say, I just come back with something that's more truthful. So have at it, assholes. I don't give a shit. Okay? But, you know, getting back to the NFL, they legit have an issue on their hands. Goodell needs to fix it, and I don't know how he fixes it. I really don't know how he fixes it, but him, the league office, the NFL officials, hell, even the NFLPA have got to all meet, and they've got to sit there and go, yeah, there's a lot of favoritism in this league and a lot of calls missed. And I understand, again, I understand, and, and everybody will agree with this. They can't make every call. They can't see every call. But if the if the if the main official doesn't see it, but a sideline judge does, why doesn't the sideline judge throw a flag? I mean, sometimes they do, but most times you just see it from, you know, the the, you know, the back judge because it'll be a secondary penalty or whatever it is. But I don't know. Again, it's something that the NFL needs to correct, and it's become a big issue because now it's like, you know. What constitutes a catch? That was a big thing. And that's what wound up implementing replay. You know, now what now how do you how do you sack a quarterback now? It's getting insane. And some people are sitting there going, eventually at this point, you might as well just play flag football. That seems to be the road it's going down. But who knows? Well, we'll see in the upcoming days of what happens what you know, obviously. I'm sure at some point the NFL will come out with something to, to, to kind of rectify everything and, you know, but don't give me the answer of it's at the, it's at the official's discretion of what roughing the passer is. Cause it can't be, it can't be one of those where it can't be a double standard where, you know, it's okay. It's okay to call it on Brady, but you don't have to call it on Mahomes. Or you don't have to call it on, you know, uh, you know, you don't have to call it on Rodgers. You don't have to call it on Mahomes. Even though Rodgers gets a lot of them, and a lot of them, are, some of them are. I'll be honest, roughing the passer, and some are just ridiculous. You know, you know, you could call it on them, but you don't have to call it on Pickett. You don't have to call it on Daniel Jones. You don't have to call it on Zach Wilson. You know, because they haven't been in the league long enough, so they don't warrant those favorable calls. You know, it's like in the NBA where if you breathe on LeBron, it's a foul. But if you know Devin Booker breathes, you know, if somebody breathes on, say. Uh, trying to think. Mitchell Robinson and the Knicks. It doesn't get called. You know, the, the rule can't be a double standard. You know, if the, if the rule can't be for one and not for all, the rule needs to be for all and not just for one. It's as simple as that. But with that being said, I got to take care of some stuff here at work before I open. So with that being said, it always, I like to thank everybody that follows, retweets, listens. So obviously... Brent and David, 1420 Sports, one of my best, most loyal supporters out there. Um, I got to check out a couple of your past episodes. I've been busy with a lot of shit, so I'll definitely try to get into some of them today. Um, you know, Sports Bliss or Robin Chris is another good one to check out. Definitely check out Average Sports, uh, Average Joe Sports Podcast, uh, Level of Playing Field Sports Podcast, another good one. Aaron at Brutally Honest Sports Podcast, another one you should check out. Nate's Daily Wagers, Recliner King Sports Podcast. Um, if you're into pro wrestling, as always, um, 
Bray Wyatt fan 24 has got a good one that you guys should check out. Everybody else who follows, retweets, as always, I'd go down the list, but we'd be here till fucking Christmas. So, with that being said, as always, it's much appreciated. And with that being said, stay safe. And as always, peace.